One of the things in the Word of God in First First Peter chapter three, Peter writing, he says, "Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even in some, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see their respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, and the clothing you wear." But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting themselves to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening." One of the reasons why, I guess I could say this, one of the reasons why I have kind of pushed this on the back burner for so long in terms of dealing with a family, and we're going to deal not just in this series, but uh, we're looking forward to, my wife and I went to a meeting a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the things we want to get going within the church, among other things, is a marriage ministry to deal with marriages and families and all that. And uh, we're looking to start that. This is kind of like a brief introduction. But one of the things I think that has delayed me in terms of doing this is that when we talk about the functions and the roles of husbands and wives and children, we've been so polluted by the world that most of us think we got it. Or if we don't think we got it, we're so messed up in our thinking that whenever this subject is brought up, we've already raised our flags. You know, it's like, uh uh-oh. He's talking about that one thing I don't like to hear. In the world that you women live in, this is not popular. But I think a lot of it's misconception. And we're going to talk about some of that even as we go through these verses. Submission comes from the Greek word hupotasso, which means to line up under, to give to a subordinate. Just, those, just that right there is enough to call some of us, male and female, to go, take a deep breath. But if you understand what God's trying to say, it's all about the picturing of who God is and what the gospel's all about. I mean, I, as you, as women, if you follow what God is saying through his word, it makes sense. He goes all the way back to creation. He says, wait a minute. The reason why I designed it this way it's because I'm making man greater, because man is not greater. Woman and man, I told you this earlier, you're, we're co-regents. The same power he gave to Adam, he gave to Eve. We're way back there in the garden, so it's not about position and power. And, and that's the problem. When we talk about equality, when we talk about being equal, when we talk about uh, fairness, we are tainted by what we perceive to be what is fair in our own eyes. What is equal in our own eyes? What is power in, all, in our own eyes? And always remember this. Go back to who God is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've got three distinct personalities, and yet neither one of those three focuses on the fact that one is more powerful than the other. Neither one focuses on, well, that's not fair. The Father doesn't say to the Son, it's not fair. 
that you went down there and died, because that's why everybody talks about you. They don't talk about me much. The son doesn't say to the father, oh, no, wait a minute. It's not about me. Everybody always prays about you, father. Our father, our father God, 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 God. And the Holy Spirit, of all people, the Holy Spirit would have a whole lot. Because we don't talk about the Holy Spirit much at all. He doesn't get his due. But yet, if you watch how the Godhead functions, what you see is they all work together for the common good of bringing glory to God, glory to each one in their own distinctiveness, and yet there's no power struggle in that. The only way, men and women, that you and I can do this, it goes all back to what I said two weeks ago, be filled with the Spirit. You can't, and I can't, ladies, you can't do this, Men, we can't do what we do unless we are filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Without God on the inside, what you get is what we see mostly projected by a lot of us, and that is rebellion. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to go with it. We think it's really a bunch of, not pastor, this is 2016. Come on now. We've taken it even out of our wedding vows. So men, are you, well, what are you talking about? Not today. I'm, I make as much or more money than my husband. Great. What does that mean? In light of what the Bible says. In Ephesians 5.21, he says, Why submit to your own husbands as to the Lord? If you're going to do it, you've got to do it as unto God. Why? Why would you even do this? Well, he says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The reason why you do it, because you understand what it's picturing. As the husband is the head, so Christ is the head of the church. Now, as Christ submits, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husband. Christ's church, husbands, wives. There's a picture of what one does to the other. Got it? That's what you're doing when you do that. You're lining up to what Scripture says. And are we not to be obedient to Scripture? Amen? Is that a part of Scripture? Yes, it is. Whether we like it or not, that's what it says. Our marriages reflect the church and Christ. Let me ask a question. In light of our marriages, those that are here, those that aren't here, those that are outside, how good a job are we picturing Christ and the church in our relationships in our marriage? I didn't get any amen, so that must mean we may, we may not be doing what we need to do. And even if we don't, what is that showing to our children? Because they're going to imitate what they see us do. Christ, church, husbands, wives. It says submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 7, 3. Talks about in Galatians 3, 28. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. You read that passage in 1 Corinthians 7 and Galatians 3.28, it talks about mutual. The husband doesn't have ownership. The wife doesn't have ownership. So guess what? They're mutually to be submissive to one another. There isn't such a thing as mutual submission. But what God's going to let us know is that out of his word, guess what? 
there is a divine order and a divine pattern and a, a divine function within each individual that makes up that marriage. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is who? Christ. And the head of the wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. There is an order. There is a function. There is a way things ought to be able to be done. Either it's scripture and we obey it or it's not scripture and we disobey it. And guess what? You and I don't have the power or the right to pick and choose what we're going to do or not do. We have to be obedient in all things to the word. Amen? That's scripture. There's more to it than that. More I can say about that. But I, I'll get to that in time as we move on. God has a grand design. You believe that? As a designer, he has a right to say how things are to be done. I want you to look at 1 Peter 3. In verses 1 and 2, he, he addresses the wives by telling them to be subject to their husbands. They are to do it as some do, not obey the word. He's talking about unbelieving husbands. How do you relate to somebody, or it could be even applicable to an unbelieving wife? He says, let me tell you something. Wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one. You got an unbelieving husband in your house. He doesn't know Christ. How do you win him to Christ? Here's how you do it. They may be one without a word. You don't have to, you don't have to preach at him. You don't have to keep putting the Bible in his, in his dinner table and breakfast table. And every time he turns around, there's a Bible verse in there. And you're always preaching. Pre no, you don't have to do that. They may be one without a word. How? By the conduct. By your living out who you say you are. Live it out. He said they may be won by the conduct. Verse 2 lets us know about, having, about how we are to have, uh, conduct ourselves with a pure conduct, respectful. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, but be, be not with the braiding of hair and putting on a gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. It's not about the outward. He's not saying that you shouldn't do your hair. He's not saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't wear jewelry. That's not what he's saying. It's the excess of that. That all you're bringing to is the attention of your outward appearance. Listen, you all know this. Everything that glitters isn't what? Gold. Be male or female. So it's not by our outward appearance. What God wants us to understand is it's by our inward, in verse 4, it's who we are inwardly. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, God's, which in God's sight is precious. Now, just that right there, some would say, oh, wait a minute. I'm just supposed to sit back and take whatever comes. That's not what he says. Don't go out here saying that's what God says. A respectful. Listen, let me say this. I don't know too many women that when time comes, if they got to say something, they're, they're going to say it. See, I already got one right down here in the front row. You got that right. That's just, that's just in you. It's how you come across. If, you're, if, you're, if you have an unsaving husband and you're saying to yourself, how can I get him to come to Christ? 
Your preaching at him may not do it. You're leaving tracks all over the place and may not do it. But as he watches your life, as he watches how you handle him, and that's with the context of whether he really treats you right or not, you still duty bound to honor him because in position-wise, he's still your husband. Now, you don't have to put well, abuse and all that. I get that. We, we always want to run to that stuff. But if everything is being equal, he treats you right. Listen, it's by our, your conduct and your prayers and your living out of a holy life before him, before him that will draw him to yourself. That's how God's going to say, not, not just with an unbelieving husband, that could be with a lot of people in our life. It's not about us preaching at them and trying to tell them they need to get saved. It's about how we live before them. If we say we, they'll know we are Christians, how? By our love. How do you and I love? We can only love that unsaved person, that wife or husband or whoever that be, by the power of God. Because let's be honest with you, there's times in our life and times in their life that they always do things that we like. Amen? But you do it because God says, wait a minute, that's how you do it. He's not telling you not to wear any makeup. He's not telling you not to look nice. But he's saying it's not always about that. It's about who you are on the inside that many times determines and if you don't believe me, do your own. Go back and read it again and find out what he's talking about when he talks about that quiet spirit. He's not saying that you just let somebody just run roughshod over you and you don't get to say anything. That's not what the Word of God said. That's why, when I, even when I read earlier out of that little magazine, that's why they were, one of the things they talk about is we have a misconception, not just in the world, but in the church of what God requires. There's not too many people that really know what a biblical, godly marriage should look like. We never think like, we don't think like that. We get married, we get a husband, we get a wife, and we move on down the road. But what does God say from his word that says how I'm to live out as a husband, as a wife, as I have children? What is it God requires of us? How is the gospel lived out? You take an examination of your own family, even if you're single. How is your life lived out showing forth the gospel of Jesus Christ as a married husband, wife, and family with kids, or even as a single person? How are you living that out today? And do people understand? And do you understand? And will people understand you in terms of living that out? I would say many of us back in the day, if we would be weighed in the balances, we would come up wanting. And then there's what he says again here. He says, let me tell you something. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. How did they used to do it? Not with the outward, but with the inward. And he gives you an example. He says, by submitting themselves to their own husband. Not somebody else's husband, your own husband. He says, and guess what? You got an example. Who's my example? Sarah. Sarah. What does she do? As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Your example is Sarah. Now, did she run around calling Abraham Lord every day, every night, day and night? No. But she respected the position he was in. She recognized him as the head of her household. She said, this is God's man. 
in my life. He's to be my provider and my protector. He's to be the one that God has designed because God created man first. God created woman for man, not man for woman. For out of woman, out of man came woman, Genesis. Put Adam to sleep, took the rib out, and created a help me suitable. All of creation. All of creation was out there, and there was not a person or an animal or a creature God created that was suitable for him until he put Adam to sleep and made woman. And now, he, what did he say? This is now what? Bone, flesh of my bone, of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She is a part of man. Woman brings man into the world. Man, uh, women understand that out of man, she came. There's an order to all this. Not my order. Not, this, is not, this is not my thoughts. This is not my ideology. Read Genesis. It tells you. It shows it right there. This is, how, this is what God says in his words. And if we're going to have families that are, are going to be God-centered, gospel-centered families, we have to do it God's way. Why we have so much dysfunction in our homes? Because we're not doing it God's way. We're willing to tolerate all kinds of things that go on in our families. That's all. But if we do it God's way, the way God plans it, God's great design, do you believe that God designed the family? I don't know if you do or not. I have no clue. I think you should. Do you believe that what God's word says, this is how you're to function and, and this is your role, this is your position? If you believe it, then you do it. If you don't believe it, you don't do it. And what happens is you get the dysfunction and you get the chaos that's in all of our families. Because what we're really saying to God is, I don't believe it, I don't agree with it, I don't like it. And guess what, God? On this issue, I will stick my thumbs in the air and go, nada. Nope, can't do it. Don't see it. Don't believe it. Okay? Do you think God won't work in your life to try to get you to come around to believe in what he wants you to believe? I think he will. Amen? Somebody says, why? What's this have to do with my life? I think what it has to do with it. Look where you are today. Just think about this. If we would do it God's way, some of the problems we have today would not be a part of our life. But because we elected not to do it God's way, it, it, this, is the, this is the grace of God. Listen, if you don't, do, isn't God good enough that even when you like, don't do it, he still blesses us anyway? Isn't that great? Because listen, listen to me, ours with one another. Some of us have messed up on this issue. We haven't done it right. We didn't, we didn't know about it. We're just not getting to know about it. But what, for whatever reason, we did not do it God's way, and still God's blessed us. Talked about it in Sunday school, to whom much is given, much shall be required. Our young people will be made the better because they will have, hopefully, if they stick around long enough, they'll have the training to understand what it means to be a young woman, a young lady growing up in today's world. And it's not what the world says. I am woman, hear me roar. I can do anything a man can do. Whatever man can do, I can. That's not what God says. Yes, I get it. You can't do a lot of things that men do. But is it God's meaning and purpose for you as a woman? 
and specifically as a Christian, Bible-believing, God-fearing, God-honoring woman. What does that mean? It means more than just coming to church on Sunday morning. Or Wednesday night or whatever. It means more than that. It means that as people look at you, they could see as a woman, you are a woman reflecting the glory of God in everything that you do. You look at the, I'll close with this one. Look at the Proverbs 31 woman. That was a smart, intelligent woman. She was no dummy. She understood what her, play, her role was, and she did it. But let me make no mistake. Her husband honored her. He said, the only reason people know about me is because behind there is a woman that takes care of business. TCB. Amen? And most men, if they got any sense, she is to come alongside with you and be that helper. She is to compliment you. Compliment. Not tear down, but make you better. Because by yourself, you can't make it, men. You need that other part to make you whole. Ladies, that's a lot of responsibility. That's heavy to me. I don't know how you could buckle up and think about all this. In light of what God says, you are to be his help meet. You're to be the compliment, compliment him. Wow. Somebody says, well, what about him? See, there you go. Don't worry about him. We'll get to him next week. Okay, pastor, so you work up and make our husbands better. You men, that, 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 that. Slow your roll. Today is your turn. Next week is their turn. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. We struggle with family matters. We struggle with focusing on the family. And yet we all are part of a family. There's not a person in, under the sound of my voice that does not belong to a family. And as imperfect as our families are, and they are, we thank you for your grace and mercy. When we look at the design of the family, we understand how you have outlined it. Father, we really have to say thank you. And we confess that in this area of our life, not a whole lot of preaching, not a whole lot of teaching has been done. We've been left to try to flounder and figure out what it means to be a godly woman, a godly man, and to be children raised up right. But we don't have to because your word tells us what we need to know. Thank you, Father. I confess before myself that many times your word is a challenge. It pokes, helps us and forces us to focus on things we don't like to talk about. Sometimes things we may not even want to hear. But Lord, we take the principles of your word, apply them to our life. Our families will be made the better. But I understand the struggle. The three-letter word sin, S-I-N, has caused our families, caused us as husbands and wives, men and women, boys and girls, has caused us to 
wrestle and fight and to position ourselves. But I pray we won't let sin crouch in the door of our homes or even crouch in the voice of our mind. But may we tell the old devil, flee from me, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I want to be the woman that God wants me to be. I want to be that woman that is strong and determined and has a sense of purpose and guidance and a sense of godliness and loveliness, a, a sense of being the type of woman that as I look at the Proverbs 30 woman, but as I look at other women in the Bible who, though their circumstances were many, they were strong, solid women because they trusted in you. I want the Lord trust in you. Make me to be, if I'm married, that help me for my husband. Help me make him better. That in the process of him being better, I'll be better. My children will be better. Our grandchildren will be better. Our whole lives will be better because we're doing it God's way. Thank you, Father. And it's never too late. Oh, it's never too late to apply the principles of your word. And if we've blown it and our, our family structure is just all over the map, help us today. Say, Lord, forgive us and help me to, through your strength, make it right. Lord, we confess before you. We haven't done everything we're supposed to do. Because honestly, some things we just didn't know. Some things we just were never taught. Help the older women, as is mentioned in Titus. Help the older women that know how to do it right be available to help the younger ones. And help the younger ones have the sense to understand that they don't know it all either. But if somebody's been down the road and has been successful, and you can look at them and say, you know what? They're not perfect. They have problems. They have struggles. But they do, do know, they do know some things. Then help us to be willing to be taught from you and your word. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.